Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1069. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast uh, during this time of global surreal crisis and weirdness. Although technically I really don't know when you're listening to this. Could be now in 2020. It's uh, May in 2020 right now. Could be the year 4000. Maybe you're some sort of uh, an anthropologist or an archaeologist and you've you, you're uh, some type of interstellar octopus person and uh, you've dug up with one of your eight limbs. One of the eight things you've excavated is a machine with digital files. You may not even have a frame of reference for any of this, but you're listening and you're going to take it back to your planet or dimension and decipher it. Uh, so thanks and hi. Hope you guys are doing great. Hope there's no global pandemic in your world. Boy, this got off track fast. Listen, the point is, I appreciate you and I hope you're doing well, whoever you are and whenever you are. Uh, Let's talk about events in the ID10T community. Events at ID10T.com. Like Matthias Fondes, who says, I'm a musician in Raleigh, North Carolina. My band Smoke from All the Friction released Friday, April 10th on Spotify and other streaming services. Our new album, Nuance, is an electropop exploration of some of the best, worst, and weirdest states of mind that people experience through their lives. We had planned to play a few shows around North Carolina and maybe even surrounding states this spring and summer to accompany the release. However, as you can imagine, the COVID-19 pandemic has caused those plans to be put on hold. Regardless, it would mean the world to us if you give a listen to the hard work we've been doing over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Absolutely. The band Smoke From All The Friction is on Spotify. Give a listen. Is, they're not even asking. The band's not even asking for you to do anything other than listen. You can do that uh, to, because, you know, they worked hard on that. So thank you so much for submitting that. I will absolutely go listen uh, once I'm done recording this intro. And um, thanks, for, thanks for staying strong. And, you know, we may not be able to be touring performers right now, but we will be again soon. I wonder what are you doing? Are you are you are you as if you're a musician or a comedian or whatever, are you are you writing a bunch of new stuff now? Or are you just sort of, you know, duck diving under the wave and waiting for it to pass? I'm trying to write. Don't feel particularly creative at the moment, but uh I'm still going to try to write cuz it could be uh, quite a while before we get to get on stage and perform in front of humans. But uh in any case, events at id10t.com is how you will reach out to us for that. This episode is Catherine Hahn, uh, and she's the best. Catherine, I've, I've known Catherine for a handful of years now, and she's one of those people that when I, like if, if Lydia and I are at an event and I see Catherine, I just make a beeline for her because she is just so fun and funny and positive, and, and her energy is just, it just, it's just this bubble of, uh, upbeat happiness and hilarity. You know, there are some people in the world that I think kind of activate you and make you funnier and think faster. And Catherine's one of those people for me. This podcast was so much fun and just makes me realize I wish I could, you know, I wish we could all hang out more often. Uh, but she is just the best. And also, an incredibly talented actor. Catherine has been in, um, uh, oh my gosh, Anchorman, Step Brothers, Our Idiot Brother, uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. She was on the crime drama Crossing Jordan. Um, 
She was in Tomorrowland. She was in A Bad Mom's Christmas, which is a super fun movie that Lydia and I watched uh, this past year. She was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for Transparent. Um, and now she is in a show called I Know This Much Is True, which is a limited series, uh, which is Sundays on HBO and HBO Go, HBO Now. And it stars Mark Ruffalo, and I believe he plays his uh, his own twin brother uh, in, in that. It's based on the uh, novel by Wally Lamb, and so she's in that. Also, Imogen Poots is in that, and she's going to be on the podcast in a couple of days. It all ties together. Anyway, uh, thank you so much to Catherine Hahn for just continuing to be... I, honestly, it just... This was one of those podcasts afterwards I just was like, oh, I'm so thankful I had this time with her. It just made me feel so happy and upbeat afterwards. So I, a special thanks to you, Catherine Hahn, not just for doing the podcast, but just for being you. And just for, because of being you, I just felt great uh, for the rest of the day. So thank you so much. This episode is the ID10T podcast number 1069 with Catherine Hahn. That's Catherine with a Y. For those of you who are typing it out, uh, here we go. Roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. I had boxes of those fucking RX bars before, like the so uh, peanut butter. I like peanut butter, chocolate. chocolate That's what this is. Salt. Mm-hmm. Some of the fruit, some of the ones with fruit in them, I'm not a fan of. But but what do you what do you got there? This is chocolate peanut butter. So I'm sorry about my teeth. And then, but they're so old, they're kind of like a little bit white on the outside. <laughs> and it's just like biting into a brick. Right. Where it gets a little crumbly. It looks a little like old dog shit on the outside, <laughs> but I'm still, I'm still, I'm just working through it. It's fine. I was about to, <laughs> I was about to make a comment about, so if the RX bar people ever want to advertise on the podcast, oh! but oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. It looks like a smushed brick of dog shit, but it, it, cause there's little chunks in it. All dog but, shit. It's just the white on the outside. But can I tell you something? So they good. are amazing. Yes. I eat, I do eat the shit out of a RX bar. I um I eat them in the afternoon and mm-hmm. because I have a weird sleep schedule I always wake up at a, sometime between 3 and 4 in the morning always every night. I'm usually up for a couple hours. I will have an RX bar because I I'm nibbly. Yeah. And it's a great thing to nibble on because it's not unhealthy. No, it feels like a dessert. When they first came out I was like, "What? These are amazing." <laughs> and now I just always have them. I love an RX bar. Yeah, I, I, RX. I, do, I do too. Listen, they weren't Hi. manufactured because of how they look. They're good. and <laughs> They're fantastic. They are just fantastic. I do love them. Like this is like a candy bar for me. I love them so much. I discovered um, Allison Hannigan posted about something on Instagram. And I apologize for not knowing what I believe there might have been a charitable connection to this. 
and I feel guilty for not having had read the, the entire, entire post because as soon as I saw it was a thing, I immediately went and bought them on Walmart's website, which is, steal yourself for this, Catherine Hahn. All right. Birthday cake Kit Kats. What? Birthday cake Kit Kats. They are no, I heard you. That are flavored like birthday cake. And I bought three boxes of them that are going to be shipped at some point in the not-too-distant future. I mean, that sounds amazing. But why did you need to get three boxes of them? You know, I'll tell you, here was my thinking. I thought they would be fun things to send to people on their birthday. Like, if you can't be with people on their birthday or whatever, like, obviously, I can't go to the post office now because of the fucking virus. But when things normalize again... I wanted to have like a cute, fun thing to actually mail people on their birthday. I thought that was a thing. It's so adorable. Can... You're going to have to wrap it in some bubble wrap because no one's going to want to get a crushed birthday cake Kit Kat bar in an envelope, Chris Hardwick. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Now that I've now that I've seen this, now that I'm thinking it through, it's going to be a lot more work than I envisioned. They're going to just have to unwrap bubble wrap and then just reveal then they're gonna this that what's gonna be revealed is a kit kat bar <laughs> they're gonna be like what, what the fuck why what is but this? then they're gonna be delighted and charmed that you thought about them enough to send them a, a birthday cake flavored kit kat bar and then they're gonna be swelled with fondness for you oh, for thinking i think of them. i think maybe to drive it home i should send like a kit the kit kat and a singular birthday candle along with it yes and they're and they're gonna be like try to shove this candle in a kit kat bar <laughs> well, i really hadn't thought this through <laughs> i'm here to do this or you're gonna be like just lay the candle lengthwise in one of the kit kat crevices light it and then see what happens. Good idea. Although, now that I'm thinking about all the work that's involved with this and right. all the explanation, maybe I'll just revert to what I normally do, which is send someone uh, a GIF on their birthday via text of uh, like a cat DJing that says- Sure, 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 sure. And then just keep the Kit Kats for yourself. <laughs> so yes, the answer is I do need three boxes of birthday cake Kit Kats. Okay, <laughs> all right. All right, it's I'm glad we got started. that covered. You know, I, I don't know if there's a word in our language for something that starts as altruistic that then becomes incredibly narcissistic and selfish. I don't know what that word is. Listen. Yeah, maybe it's Kit-Katting. Yeah, my birthday Kit-Katted that person. What does that mean? Well, I meant to get them the thing, but then I just kept it for myself. You, you could just take pictures of the boxes and then you could just text that out on people's birthdays. This, <laughs> I was going to send you this and it just honestly was a lot of work. You know, I think you still should just send Kit Kats in envelopes on people's birthdays and then just get crushed Kit Kat containers, I think would be really sweet. I love it. I think it's an adorable, adorable, a really sweet and generous thing to think about. Thank you. That's I, all I wanted. I was I just wishing for some, you know, validation. For I love now it. I don't have to do it because I got the validation I was And seeing. now I want, I'm really curious about trying a Kit Kat, a birthday cake flavored Kit Kat. Well, so I guess the backstory that I should have shared with you is that I'm a big fan of, of uh, multi, like of flavored Kit Kats. In Japan, there's a whole subculture around flavored Kit Kats. Oh, really? They release seasonal ones. You know, when you're at the airport in in Tokyo, they have, um, there's like a whole duty-free shop that's almost exclusively like flavored Kit Kats. And so they 
they have some um they have some mainstays like green tea and strawberry, but then they also have seasonal ones like blueberry and they have pumpkin around Halloween. Oh, oh. And this can, is helpful to me. Yeah, they can bake. You can bake the marshmallow ones. They show, like, you put them in a little toaster oven. You can, like, bake the marshmallow Kit Kats. And so there's a real, there's a real subculture around flavored Kit Kats. And we have just not really embraced it in America for some fucking crazy reason because no. that feels like something we would love. Yes. And so I was very pleased to see birthday flavored Kit Kats. And I thought, you, now that I'm saying it to you, Catherine, I feel like I should look at Hannigan's thing and just make sure that I'm representing it properly. Sure, 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 sure. No, but you know what? I now have a bit, little bit of a better context about you and Kit Kats, too, though. Like, I didn't quite know what, where this exactly was coming from. But I knew, now know that you have a Kit Kat thing. Okay, this, and this actually, so I'm on Allison's post right now. It says, now more than ever, we should cherish the moments we have with friends and family, and these yummy new Kit Kat birthday cake bars are covered with white cream and sprinkles. They make me smile. You know what else makes me smile? Spreading birthday cheer by supporting a good cause. Happy to be joining Hershey and Walmart in their support of Feeding America at this important time. So there is some- Oh, okay, great. uh, Yes. So there is a charitable cause that goes- Thank you, Allison Hannigan. For anything, but I'm just sharing yes. people the context of, of what that was. Oh, thank you, so I was helping by even buying the box. Yes, yes, no, of course. I was just going with the flow. Oh, and thank you, Allison Hannigan. That's awesome. How are uh, you? I'm, you know, <laughs> are you okay? I'm, I mean, we are living in the upside down, I feel like. It's we just... are in the upside down, yeah. There's fucking... Demogorgons like running around the streets, uh, you know. I I do look at people who are just like not really taking any of this seriously, like they were a demogorgon. Like, what the fuck? I know it's very hard for me now not to say something like socially shame somebody because I, you know, I take a walk. You know, I mean, I I uh, I I mean, I don't know, Chris Hardwick. It's so bananas, and I'm just like filled every morning with just such humility and such. Are we allowed to swear? Oh, well, yes. Okay. Swear. I mean, I'm such fucking gratitude for um, our healthcare workers and our teachers and our, you know, anybody that works in distribution on like a basic level for us. Like, I just can't even handle it. Like, I, such humility. It just makes me burst into his tears. And I just walk around and I see like when I say kids, I mean like, you know, millennials at this point, but anybody walking around like with, you know, close together, checking each other's cell phones. And I just, it's all I can do not to be like, you better be fucking wearing a t-shirt to say roommates on, on it. Because I, I just, at this point I can't handle it. Like it's time. Yeah. Yeah. I know it. It. I, I have not seen, I mean, I know in Los Angeles, are you in LA or you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in LA. The mayor keeps like rolling back shit. He's like, you know, and I think today he even said, like, when we close something down, that doesn't mean everyone rushed to the thing that's still open. I know, I know. You know, if if you need to, like, uh, you know, get out, that's fine to walk around your block or whatever, but practice these safety measures. But it's like, at first, all the beaches were open, so people were just having beach parties. He's like, no, no, this isn't a vacation to just go and cluster in groups. No, I know. And then it's still like, you know, we try still to like, I, you know, even the grocery stores, it's like, just take what you need, you guys. Like no one needs to hoard, like, you know, nobody needs to, that, that energy of like, 
having to just take, 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 take. Like, it's like, no, just like take what you need. There will be stuff next week. There's going to be stuff that we can, like, just like everybody just like, just, just that energy of like, of just having to like take is a little bit, uh, is a little bit overwhelming to me as well. Um, uh, but there's also a feeling of, um, Anyway, uh, gratitude for California, gratitude for local leadership, like gratitude for, um, you know, I'm just trying to like wrap myself up in that stuff. Like just, you know, trying to just like live by do no harm. Like I just keep looking at New York and just, you know, thinking about New York and sending so much fucking love. And it's just, I mean, that sounds so stupid, but like, what do you do? Like, I'm just, I, I, I look at it and it just, I have this weird, like, Remove because I cannot believe that that's happening. Well, it's all the big right now. Where people cluster together. San Francisco, particularly where yeah, the density. population New Orleans. is so high, and New Orleans. I, I'm and, just yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and so it is. It is. We are such a culture of doers, right? I got to do something, and this is a time where it's like you're doing something is actually not doing anything. Not doing anything, right? <laughs> and it feels weird because we are having to accept being, and it's very hard to be. It's so much easier to distract by doing or to feel like I'm in control because I'm doing. And it's like, this is actually the opposite. Right. Don't do the things that you would normally do and stay in and try to, you know, be okay with that. And we have a, like, we have two kids and, um, you know, it's this kind of amazing, profound, like, dis. Uh, time of like they're kind of living their best lives like they (laughs) they are really enjoying this moment of being at home with us and we're the ones who are kind of like carrying the like oh my lord and they're actually really enjoying this um uh you know my daughter's kind of living her best life she's got like a little schedule she's got like a dog training thing in our living room she's like agility training our dogs like amazing she's singing christmas carols at full blast non-stop it's kind of driving me kind of like deck the halls i'm gonna fucking like like, it's a little bit like slowly going down but she but you know my son is like he's 13 so it's a little like it's it's intense but um uh you know it's it's interesting like you know we're having it's for everybody it's like you know it's god i you know but again, nothing, you're right. Nothing, 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 nothing to, nothing to complain about. And just sending just, um, all, all just nothing but, um, gratitude for anybody that's sacrificing for all the angels out there. Is your son at that teenage age yet where he's going to put the do not enter street sign on the door and stuff? Oh, it's there already. Oh my God, it's there. He already has it. No, it's, it's been there. And then he has like an old, like, it's like, you know, basically like, uh, I live for the weekends or like gone, <laughs> gone, gone fishing. Oh no, it's been there for so long. Yeah, no, it's been there for so long. He's a little bit of a skateboarder. So we like got, you know, we got like, he's got, he's like kind of put, you know, taken apart his skateboard and put it together like a million times. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you, how have you restructured your day to sort of allow, because I would imagine a 13-year-old is probably kind of like, leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, but are, are you structuring your day around like, okay, we're going to have like a very traditional, like, 
well, I'll have breakfast together. Then we'll go do our stuff during the day. Then we'll have family time. Then we'll do a dinner. Then we'll do this. Are you like structuring the day in certain ways? Or are you just saying to the kids like, hey, you guy, you can just do whatever you need to do to be cool? I mean, it's like a little bit of chaos. Like, uh, I don't know, Chris, it's chaos every day. Like it's, you know, they he's in school right now and she's on spring break. So there's just, you know, it's chaos. He's, he's, I mean, I, you know, he wants to bust out. That's what you do at 13. So it's like yeah. the heart, it's so, I don't know. You know, we, we're watching like wildly inappropriate movies together because I can't watch another kid's movie. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I now, don't know. I, I grew up with parents who let me watch wildly inappropriate comedies when I was growing up. It, what's one wildly inappropriate movie for parents to watch with their kids to sort of get through this? There Will Be Blood. I thought you were going to say like some, you know, like Seth Rogen movie or like Knocked Up or like some sort of a, but it's just the most dense fucking character drama. My daughter's 10. Oh, amazing. It sounds like your daughter's going to be a theater kid though. She's already like doing all sorts of crazy performances around the living room. I mean, we we saw, um, we did see, I mean, it's been great. Like we've, we've been, uh, yeah, we've kind of been trying to take this time as like a movie camp, like, cause I can't watch another, I, I just, we've, it's, we've exhausted the option. So we saw like, she's got it. No, what did we see? Um, Do the right thing, which was pretty amazing. We skipped through some, the ice scene, if you know what I mean. Sure. But we, but we, that was pretty amazing to talk about that with them. Like we've just been trying to like, we saw Big Lebowski. That was fun. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, I'm yeah. telling you, these things that might seem sort of incidental to you because, you know, you're adults, it, it, the kids, I feel like those will imprint on them so much and influence them in ways that they may not even realize until much later. Like all of those adult comedies that I watched when I was a kid just it was, it, they just were so influential on yeah. me. I don't know if my parents really realized, like, oh, whatever, it's a fucking movie, you know, whatever. And those kind of helped define... Yeah, me too. I started watching all those movies when I was about 13 years old. Like, I remember, I was about 13 when I started seeing, like, um, I mean, I remember going to the art house and seeing, like, um, I think it was, like, Red, White, and Blue, and, you know, it was about a, a lot of French movies, My Life as a Dog, but I would think it was also, like, Smoke and um, right. um, what a, some Lynch movies started coming out then that really affected me. Oh yeah, um, uh, was that like Lost Highway or? Uh... I think it was like Wild at Heart, maybe. Oh, Wild at Heart, way, yeah, way, yeah, way, yeah, way yeah, back. Yeah. Way, way, way back. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, not too far back, goddamn it. <laughs> but <laughs> way, way, way back, deep into the 1900s, way, way, way back. They just started talking. But it was like, it was, um, but yeah, like all, all those things are like deep in my, uh, um, oh, Hoop Dreams. That was another one we saw with the kids and that was really great to watch. Do you remember that documentary, Hoop Dreams? I don't know if I, I know the movie you're talking about, but I don't know if I, I don't know Oh, if I Chris Hardwick. That's like an, it's an unbelievable documentary and like a. I might've been scared off by the sports of it all because if I saw sports, like if there's uh, a sport in a title, I generally like. Oh, I don't it know. is a um, it is like an American tragedy on a level that you can. I highly, 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 highly recommend watching that okay. movie. Yeah, it's so beautiful. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we're looking, you know, obviously we're, it's so funny that in an age where we literally have everything that's ever been made at our fingertips that we could and stuff just being released all the time. I know. We could stare at each other and go, what do you want to watch? I don't know. There isn't really anything. It's like, yes. I know. There's everything, but it's hard. I know what you mean. I know. I know. I know. But there, yeah, exactly. There are good things. So anyway, yeah, we've been digging deep, digging deep. But then also love is blind. You know what I mean? Like, so we're all over the map. And, uh, and of course people will be able to watch. I know this much is true which yes. is a limited, it's a limited series, yes? Is it a limited yes. series or yes. is it a limited series? Yeah, exactly. What a gift the limited series has been to the, uh, the acting profession, where mm. it's like, in, 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 the, in the old days, if you auditioned for a, a series, before, I'm sure you remember this, you must have gone through multiple pilot seasons where you would test, and then you would have to sign a seven-year contract before you would test. And then that was sort of the good news, bad news. Like, good news, you this show might go. The bad news is you're going to be on it if it's on for seven years. You know, like it's. Did you did you did you test a lot in those days? Yeah, I um, mean, all the time. Like when I was, yeah, when I first came out here, that was like, well, yeah, that was the golden ticket was to get on one of those shows. For yeah, and you didn't even think ahead. It was just like creatively it was like you kind of put your blinders on and you just signed and you ran, you kind of forgot everything and you just like walked in. You just creatively, you just forgot about like what that would even look like seven years from then because you just wanted the job. Um, and so, yeah, I got a couple of those pilots from that and nothing ever really went. Um, I did a bunch of pilots, but those tests, those network tests were a nightmare. I mean, they set it up to fail. Like, I don't know how, it's very hard to rise. I mean, I, it's a different skill. I don't know. It was a, it it was like a, a different, different skill, skill. Because it is, especially if you're auditioning for comedy, and uh, you're, in a room, you're in a room full of, you know, a studio. It's like, well, the way I remember it working is that, like, in, generally, in the morning, you would studio test, mm. whatever studio was paying for the shit. And then if you got through that, then you would network test in the afternoon. And it was just two rooms of dour, like people just staring, I guess, trying to imagine you, you're, you're trying to give your best performance and they're looking at you going, is this person too tall next to the co-star? Right. <laughs> just like right. stuff that you can't, and your brain is trying to push out of the way. If I get this, it will solve literally every financial problem I've ever had. Yes. And, and all of like my student debt. Stakes, you know? And so it, I, I think it is like a, well, if you can get through this, then you deserve the job. If you can somehow get through this shit, that's the t- that's actually the test. And then you're just next to your you're next to your like competition, and then that puts this weird vibe in your head of like, I want to be like, why would I look at these awesome women in any other way, but just like want to root for them? And now I'm in this forced weird position where I'm not supposed to. It's it's the whole thing is set up as like. Oh God, this is like nothing but ugliness. Like it's the worst. It's the worst. And, and you must have had like, you know, quote unquote rivals, not in a not in a toxic way, but I mean like you must have seen the same group. Yeah, same of course. Group. Like, oh, You're like, hey, person. hi. Yes. And ever and, and in every group there was always a like, oh fuck, that one's a really good auditioner. Totally. Yeah. Oh, she yes. Gets, you know? 
Absolutely. And you just, you, of course, you don't, you don't want to do any, have any ill will towards anybody. And then you just, but you're the same group as like walking through these auditions together. Of course. And of course. Also the social dynamic of watching how different people uh, address the casting room when they leave the audition. Do uh, you know, like, are they, I guess I, I'd seen some people do some really shitty things, mm. some really shocking things, actually. Like the mind tricks in the room, in the waiting room before. Totally. Like the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, like they try to talk to you, but you're like, I'm trying to focus, or you would hear them running. The worst for me was hearing people like running their scene right next to where everyone else was trying to focus on their stuff. Yes. Which I thought, was that just narcissism or is it just like, well, they have to be in here so in case they get called, but then isn't that fucking up everyone else that you're hearing what they're going to do? Yeah, like, why do we have to hear it? Like, why do you have to do it out loud? And like, mm-hmm. also... It's so, yeah, no, the whole thing, it is a real, it, it's, I, I mean, I remember, I, I just remember a teacher like once a million years ago being like, if you, it's such, it is such an intent, this business, it, uh, uh, that, that chapter was so, it's like, I felt so, so strongly, Chris, that I was like, like I was pretending to be an actor like oh I was like acting and acting like I felt so outside myself in those rooms like I felt so distant from like who I was as a performer whenever I went into those rooms I felt so disconnected to like I just was like who am I like my arms moved differently than what I wanted like I felt so so strange like I hated that chapter was um was so not fun. Like, I just never felt like I belonged in those rooms. I never felt like I was, like, settled into myself. I just was, like, um, not set up to um, to to get any of those parts. <laughs> well, it, but, but that's I think that's good for people to hear because I think one of the things that I... One of the ways that I see you, one of the things that I think defines you as a performer is that when I see you in something, I always... I feel safe in the way that you make really good, strong choices. Like your, your instincts are so honed that I, and I'm not trying to blow smoke. I genuinely feel like if I see Catherine in something, I know she's going to give a strong performance and it's going to be interesting, but it's going to be very rooted. And I wonder if you feel that way or it took you a while to feel that way or how you started to feel that way. Oh God. Well, I certainly like, I mean, well, like, well, A, thank you. B, I don't think it it did take a long time. Like I don't, I don't think in my twenties and even in my, to my mid thirties, I was anywhere near being able to do that. I think that I was, like I say, I was like, performing the part of an actor out here. And I feel like those feelings that I had when I was a, acting student or when I was like putting on shows at you know when I was doing theater like that it was like almost like that was like that sacred feeling that I had when I was like putting on plays that like juicy feeling of creation like in an ensemble when I was acting um when I was like listening to someone on stage when I had like juicy material coming out of my mouth when I was like when I was asked to do something that was used all of me. I felt completely divorced from that when I was in those rooms. And I'm sure all, so many, we all feel that way. Like when we go into those rooms, those like pilot auditions, this like crap that we're asked to do sometimes, I 
out here in these auditions. Like, and I never felt that those two were married. Like I, I thought, or in this medium even. Right. So it was only until, honestly, weirdly for me, it was till I was a mom, which I did not expect at all until I had a real huge case of the fuckets, I think. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, like I, I think I just, because my priorities shifted. Right. I just think my, like, whole priorities in life shifted for me that I was, like, I felt like, oh, I can marry those two. And that feeling should absolutely, that's what it is to be an actor. Like, I shouldn't ever not feel that feeling when I'm doing this work. And that's when I'm going to work. It's only when I'm feeling that feeling, that other fake feeling, I'm not going to get those parts if I'm not feeling that all the time. And so it was only until like, I really let go of this, like trying to pretend to be something that they want, whoever they are. Like it only until I like let go of that bullshit that I outside feeling insecurity like whatever that I was not whatever that they want me to be that I that I started to like the things started to happen and um it's not lost on me that it was mostly women creators that saw that in me or that women filmmakers or women directors women and um I mean at least at the beginning of that that chapter in my mid-30s and um uh uh Anyway, I just thought that I think that that's how it started happening. Yeah, but I also think, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you, you. I was just going to say that in your 20s, it's almost not entirely your fault because, and, you know, not to, this is not meant to be um, disparaging at all to anyone who's in their 20s, but at least for me, I didn't know who I was in my 20s yet. Sure, yes. So, So I felt like I was trying to, I was chasing so much, like, oh, I'll be whatever people need me to be to get whatever job because I just didn't know who me was. Yes. And so it it just takes a little while to, you can't get comfortable with something that you don't know what it is just Yes, yet. absolutely. So it, it, there, there, there was a bit of that, like trying to, I had to like figure out who that was for us. So I go, oh, okay, well, I think this is me and that's, and I feel rooted in these ways. But that just took a little bit of time. Of course. Know? And some people have it like right out of the gate. I'm always impressed when I see somebody like like really young that's like just got it. Like just like, oh, so rooted in who they are and like clarity and per- of purpose and just like have it, their shit together so early. And I'm like, oh my God. Because I, I, I was like in my case, like my version of what you're talking about was like I had a, I, ha- I had that feeling when I was doing theater. Like I had that clarity of purpose. I had that like rootedness when I was doing theater. And then when I, when I looked at this medium or like TV and film, for some reason, I had a very hard time not seeing the people on screen and reconciling, my, reconciling or seeing myself alongside of them in the medium. Like I would, I was like, I there's, I can't possibly be in the same medium as Nicole Kidman or, or like these amazing, Kate Blanchett are these amazing people. So I would just kind of like pretend like right. I, I was like, there's, I'm not, that's not me. I can't be in that same medium. And so it just took a long time for me to figure out how to do what I did, how to act, how to act. Like I couldn't figure out how to do it, how to like be tr- truthful in this medium. Like it was very, very hard for me to, to figure that out. Um, and to just like 
use all of myself in it. I would just use like a little bit. Right. And then, um, so it just took a second. Because, and you're right. And their 20s are, for a lot of people, about, for most of us, trying on a lot of shit for size. And there are some people that are just, um, uh, that I'm always like, God, you are a miracle that you just kind of arrive, arrived in your 20s. That's Holy rare, God. though. And I do think that most people kind of experience what you and I experience, yeah. like, which is the, I don't know, you know. And so I think that is at least encouraging yes. for anyone because it's sort of hard. I think a lot of it has to do with frame of reference where you, when you're young and you see people up on the screen, like you said, you go, well, I can't, that's Nicole Kidman. I'm not Nicole. How could I ever? Because you don't have a frame of reference for right. that kind of a thing. So you can't, it's hard to connect it to anything. Yes. So your brain just goes, well, how could this ever happen? Because it's never happened. And then right. you get older and you realize like, well, because, you know, things do. And if you, you know, if you put consistent efforts in a certain way and you're paying attention, you get a little bit of luck and you manufacture some of your own luck by making certain choices, then, you know, it, it, yes, of course it can happen. And it is surreal. And I think most people don't ever feel like, I mean, you know, even if you ask Nicole Kidman, do you think she'd be like, yes, I feel like I deserve all of this. I feel totally where I, you know, I feel completely whole. Like she probably has her own insecurities and stuff, but we only see a two dimensional version of her most of the time. So. I, I mean, I'm also saying like, I would never ever in a million years compare myself with any of those performers who are God or just goddesses to me. I just, I, I think I just meant also like just seeing that box up there. I just couldn't, you know, or that screen. It was like, I couldn't possibly imagine my face in it. Like it was so weird to me to imagine. Right. Like I could, like I remember seeing credits at the end of the movie and being like, "That is a world." Like it was just too much. I grew up in Ohio, like in Cleveland. Like I was, I just there was like no way possible. Like I didn't grow up with like stars in my eyes. Right. I just, I loved it. I just so much acting. I just there was just not a question in my mind. I just wanted to be a fucking actor. Well, that's lucky too, because a lot of people don't know what they want, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like performing is a very solid kind of easy, not easy is not the right word, but at least it's, it's a very decisive choice that you can make in school because there is a drama club. There are not a lot of, you know, uh, with like theater program or like a music program, there are a lot of callings where there's just no program really. Right. You know, to encourage it. Yes. And so, but if you're young and you, and you have, get the right drama teacher or whatever, and you get, you do right. the right play and it's like, oh, well, this is what I want to do. And I always think like, what a gift to know what you want to do at 16 or 15 or whatever, but not that later on you can't discover those things, but I do think it's, you know, to have a driving kind of a force from a very young age is also a very fortunate happening. No, it is very fortunate. Yeah, exactly. No, that's no small thing, Chris. You're right. But I do hope that one of the things that um, people are able to take away from all this crazy awfulness is a little bit of the fuckets, a case of the fuckets in the sense of like, if they'd been putting off allowing themselves to pursue something or allowing themselves to explore something, a hobby, a passion or whatever that now they're like, Oh, huh. 
maybe now, maybe I have the time to, to explore that. Or maybe I should stop procrastinating because, you know, life is uh, unpredictable and fragile. And maybe I should just get off my ass and try to, you know. Yeah, here, here. Whatever that thing is, if it's, if it's possible right now. Here, know. here. Yes. But I also, like, I, I just have been cautious to say to, you know, to, like, talk to people about, and I've been saying this a lot on the podcast lately, I feel like, with, um, just for people to not put too much pressure on themselves to, you know, like, have to create right now, or I'm a failure. It's like, you know, do whatever you need to do to get through this time, because it's just, a, it's a, it's, there's a lot going on, and maybe... If you feel creative, be creative. If you're not creative, don't make yourself feel bad that you're not feeling creative. Just sort of be, you know, just like be as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, um, yeah, it's hard. I I don't know how to say this, but like I had been talking to a friend about that phrase of closing of non-essential businesses. And I think it's such a great one to think of personally as well. Like, you know, just, you can just, close your non-essential businesses too. Just oh, like in what, your brain, you're like emotional yes. non-essential yes. businesses. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because our lives are filled with non-essential businesses in our brain most of the time. Just things that don't really matter, but we just get busy bodies. And so it's like, oh, I'm, oh, this, or I got to get to this appointment, or oh, this didn't work, or this email thing. And I was like, yeah, those are all, you know, getting tweaked up about that stuff. Those are the non-essential businesses, you know? Yeah, it's just like a great thing just because... You're right. There is, while we're doing our part by like staying at home and staying safe and, st- and k- keeping our neighbors healthy and keeping like by staying home, it is, um, uh, um, you're right. There, there does sometimes feel these like rising swells of pressure to do. And I mean, I feel it and I don't know what, what uh, I, I, it's hard for me to concentrate on reading a book um, and yeah. also have kids like, I, you know, like most people I can't, you know, like most people in this country, like there's not a second in the fucking day because they're dealing with kids in school and homework and all this crap at home. And so there's like not any time. Yeah. So like these podcasts are luxuries. Uh, yeah, they are, so but I also, I just don't to listen to, I mean, you know, it's so awesome that, so I just don't want people to beat themselves up no. on top of everything else. Oh, I'm not doing, I should be discovering what my thing is. It's like, you know what? You either will or you won't now. And if you don't now, that's okay. And if you do now, that's okay. You just need Absolutely. to be, you just need to be okay. Yeah. But as a parent, I also feel like a lot of kids, it's usually not until we're much older that we discover that our parents are basically just human beings who got pregnant and had a kid, you know, like that, that, that idea that, you know, our parents are these all knowing pillars of, and I wonder now, like what, we don't have kids, but what the right approach is when kids have questions or if they're scared or whatever, you know, is it like, we're going to get through this or is it, Hey buddy, we're all scared, but sometimes in life we just got to get through shit. Or is it like, fuck, I don't know either kiddo. I think this could be it. I don't know. Like what is the, what's, what's the good approach? Honesty versus protection and making the kids feel okay. Like, what is it? I mean, we did a combo of, uh, it's a combo of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're doing the best that we can, but I I mean, we just did a combo of both. I mean, we got to be honest. And then we all, because they're two ages too, like the 13 year old knows what's up and the 10 year old is scared. And so we have to do a combo of both. Um, 
but you know they know how safe they are in here, and so they know the, the, this bubble is safe, and that they uh, thank God for these like Zoom things, and like you know they've got their classmates, and um, yeah, you know everybody's thank God for tech. This is when I'm like thank God for technology when it's so funny. Like even you know just thinking about five months before when I was like, do I get my kid a phone? And now I'm like thank God I did even though I was like so upset about it. Like now I'm like, okay, at least you can connect to this pal. It's like, it's all, all this little stuff is like, uh, you know, so, so thank God for technology. Now um, there's this amazing guy, Ryan Heffington. I have to give him a shout out, but he has an Instagram dance class. That's so gorgeous. And it's oh, like, that's great. Yeah. She's, um, uh, it's like 6,000 people ch- around the world. Like are, are um, now, watching it every whenever he has a dance class and, and participating and so the whole family does that and it's so fun and um you know there's ways to like so we're like we're just kind of trying to like deal with it head on we, we're not telling them everything because there's no need but they they know what they need to know right you know right right, right. Yeah, I uh, I often think about, I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, at some point when Lydia and I have kids and, you know, again, I think this has pushed it off for a little bit, but um, uh, although it shouldn't push it too much longer because uh, I'm going to be fucking granddad dad, but, um, but the idea of like, oh, wow, what would I tell, you know, what would I tell my kids right now and how would I be reassuring them and do I have that ability? I feel like I do, but I don't know, you know, and would I hide it? And then to the kids be like, you know, everything's going to be fine. And then, you know, when Lydia and I are in the bedroom, like, I don't know if everything's going to be fine. What the fuck? How do we keep telling them? You know, I know it, it, but I guess that's just the sort of the, that's the path of humanity that has happened for centuries. And, uh, you know, and, and somehow we managed to muddle through it. Yeah. I mean, it's just how fast that we were able, that their lives were, um, you know, change, their, their lives were just like, you know, for everybody's, but it was just, I think this, I mean, the speed of which that we were all just humanity has like adapted to this, like so fast. It's just like, I, I think that this, it's just been, um, you know, it's just but bonkers. It's just bonkers. And so I, I think that they're still trying to like, uh, like, and everybody is like, it's just uh, bananas. And now let's pause and thank the sponsor for the ID10T podcast, BetterHelp. That's help, H-E-L-P. Uh, listen, in general, it's a good idea to focus on your mental health, particularly during a quarantine as, uh, you know, we're left home alone with our thoughts and ourselves. And so it's a good idea to prioritize mental health, particularly now. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. Um, now, this isn't a crisis line. It isn't a self-help line. It is professional counseling done securely online. Uh, there's a broad range of expertise available, which, you know, again, e- even in times when you can go out into the world, maybe these are things that are not uh, areas of expertise that are not locally available in your area. Um, but this service is available for clients worldwide. You log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor, and you're going to get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and uh, and and kind of help get through stuff. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make 
make it easy and free to change counselors if needed, uh, more affordable than traditional offline counseling, financial aid is available. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website, read their testimonials. They are posted daily, uh, betterhelp.com slash reviews. And then if you visit betterhelp.com slash hardwick, uh, you can join over the 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Uh, and ID10T listeners are going to get 10% off your first month. So again, betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash hardwick. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast, which we gently glide back into right now. I mean, do you, are your day, like what, what is, what does the rest of your day look like? Right now it's one fifteen in the afternoon. Do you plan ahead? You know, have you thought about like what you're going to watch tonight? Or do you think like, ah, oh, you know, we'll just uh, figure it out moment to moment? I mean, uh, gosh, I, I, we've got some awesome, we've got an awesome email chain going with some parents that are going to try to do some brown bag lunches for to drop off for Catholic charities for the homeless downtown for Skid Row, which I think is awesome. Like we've got like, that's what we're looking forward to on Sunday. Tonight we've got the kids carpool uh, group is doing a zoom. So the parents and the kids are going to do a zoom with the carpool. Amazing. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's surreal. And, um, uh, you know, uh, that FaceTime with my parents in Ohio. <laughs> Just make you know. sure that just make sure that you read the articles to um, turn on the certain privacy and security protocols for Zoom, which we are yes. using right now. By the oh, way, oh, somebody just told me about that. I did no not know that. And, like draws a dick on your, you know, your parents' meeting or whatever. Wait a minute! Somebody just told me about that. That happens. That's called porn bombing. No, yeah. did I make that up? No, you didn't make it up. People were like just dropping into unsecure Zooms. And like, you know, drawing pictures of dicks or like showing pornographic stuff. And then I guess, you know, being able to screenshot some of that and put it on YouTube. It's just classy. So crazy. Of course, of course, that's what would people we can't have nice things. We We can't have nice things. Wait, did I make up the phrase porn bombing? Well, I don't know if you, I did, I haven't heard that, but that's exactly oh, what it is. That's but so, so stupid. So people are literally doing that. Somebody just told me about that. And I was like, are you kidding me? Just for the pleasure of just like being at home. Like it's so dumb. Oh God. You're right. We can't have nice things. Well, there are some anarchists that just enjoy like watching things, you know, burn and have dicks on it. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> I guess that's what, if you were to as- ask. Some people, what they're doing. Protocols are in place. As long as they're in place, you're all good. I don't even know what you're talking about. This, look at I. This is I'm on my daughter's computer right now. Like I'm a just I'm a technological disaster. Like I, Chris, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I'm so technologically unsavvy. It's this is this whole thing is a nightmare. (laughs) I don't have a computer. I know. Well, listen, my wife is my wife abhors technology. She is a notorious like not text answerer not email answerer she just like anytime i say like oh well you need to go on and you need to ensure that you're you know you've set this security protocol she's like you could just stop right there because i already have stopped listening to what you're saying so no, my eyes glaze over like even yeah. help me do this because i was like uh, i can't i just don't, i don't i won't do it 
<laughs> like, I just would grab, like, what about a phone call? Can we just go back to the old days where we used to have to sit on the kitchen floor and the version of a mobile phone we had is that you had to go to Radio Shack and buy like an extra long extension cord for the phone. Yes. Take it into another room. Oh my God, that's what they had in Big Lebowski. I was like, I told my son, I was like, that is a cell phone. He's like, what are you talking about? When they had to like get the phone from the guy for the thing. Yeah. Like, that's what a cell phone Yeah, is. those things that look like the old military grade. If you had the army man and the guy had the box in his hand with the, yes. the big hand piece. Yeah, yeah, those were those were the old days of cell phones. Cell phones. Yeah, well, it is. It is. Technology does. I mean, I think we are learning that it does. It has been very helpful in all of this. But it is like, doesn't every solution create another series of problems? Like, it's never just... No. Oh, this is the ultimate solution and everything's okay. It's like everything has a fucking, every solution has another fucking problem around the corner. And porn bash. <laughs> porn, not porn bash. Porn bash? <laughs> porn bash. That was my favorite Halloween song was the porn mash. Is that <laughs> They did the mash. <laughs> the porn mash. It was a graveyard smash. Oh, God, that song creeps me out. I just got to, I hated it. I hate all those Halloween songs. It'd be crazy. I feel like there aren't enough Halloween songs. Oh, that's how that, do the monster mash. Oh, God, I hate that song. It always is like, it just like gives me the willies. Like, I'm just always like, oh. Stop I had it. no idea I was stepping on such a landmine. It's such a <laughs> such a trigger for me. I'm always like, oh, shut it up. There's- that that and also like, what was the one like? There's a what was the Will the what was the Will Smith one that was like that was like. There's um, a nightmare. Oh, oh I can't even stand that song. <laughs> There's a nightmare on my street. <laughs> God, there was a guy on Twitter that had devoted an entire account. It's a different holiday. For whatever reason, he really didn't, like, actively, violently abhorred Paul McCartney's simply having a wonderful Christmas. (laughs) Hated it. And would anyone that spoke positively or referenced that song around the time, he would capture it and rip on them. And I think on At Midnight or something, I mentioned simply having a wonderful Christmas time. So anytime I worked on something else, it was... Uh, you know, Chris Hardwick has a new game show coming out on NBC, uh, or, or it was a, a simply having a wonderful Christmas time sympathizer. Chris Hardwick <laughs> has a new game show, which I am not going to support because he supports. Wait, that's hilarious. Sym- and, sympathizer. And I've just, I listened to the song a lot and I've tried to imagine like, what is it about the song that is such a, a, a toxic waste dump for this guy's life he and i feel like there is a tongue-in-cheek element to it but it is rooted in real hatred for that song you know what i'll tell you there is something about the song that is Uh that it i i agree with him (laughs) i do there is something about the music it's something about the instruments used there's something about the tune and there's something about the chords i get it i get it there's there is something about that particular christmas song that does get under your skin in a way (laughs) so you are not simply having a wonderful christmas no not with that tune not with those chords not with those (laughs) not with those instruments because there is it is something that's like there's something there's a driving 
darkness under it that I totally understand where he's coming from. So you think that it underscores a, like, a Stepford kind of a... Yes. Everyone is having a wonderful Christmas time, aren't you? I, there, it's not earnest. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, if he hears this, is going... You're going to be his new... Fa- you're going to be the simply... The ban simply having a wonderful Christmas time advocate, Catherine Hahn. <laughs> This is going to be part of your mission that you didn't even realize. Oh, good. You didn't even realize. I just, there is. There's something. There is something about it that doesn't. That doesn't feel complete. That feels a little bit. Um, yeah. That just. You're right. I think a little bit separate about it. What's going to be fun is that when we are done with this podcast, you're going to go down some weird rabbit hole on the internet or YouTube, and then you're going to just while you and Ethan are lying in bed at night, go. You know, I never really thought about it before, but if you see Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time is the same chord pattern that Area 51 used. Like, there's going to be some yeah. sort of a... Uh, and then pretty soon, when you think about it, the Earth is flat. Like, it's going to lead you down yeah. some weird <laughs> conspiracy. Yes. I'm sure. There's a re- there is a reason why I'm having this reaction to it. I have to, I have to maybe listen to it again, and then, or maybe not. And then maybe when your I kids should've. in, like, 10 or 20 years, you know, they're going to be with their own partners and their partner's going to put that song on at Christmas. And they're going to go, Oh my God, my mom really hated this song. I don't know it. You know, we were all quarantined and then she just got really bananas about simply having a wonderful Christmas time in monster mash. We were never allowed to listen to either. monster mash. Don't say it. A I nightmare on my street. <laughs> and because it's like, it's like trying to be scary, but still cool. <laughs> can't. I can't Listen, do it. All I'm saying is that if you wanted to re-record these songs, is there an instrumentation for Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time that you would accept outside the synth? No! Because it's the it's the repetition of it now I'm thinking of it. It just cut, it just like everything keeps repeating. It just doesn't get the fuck so out of like, your face. No, and so you're just kind of like So you, you, have a, you have an itchy trigger finger for like affectations for like, because Monster Mash is very affected and on my street is very affected and simply having one of So there is like an inauthentic affectation that really gets at the core of your being. I think so. That's not just not quite heightened enough. Like if it was really heightened, I would be down. So- like if there was enough camp, I would be like, great. Like if it really turned up to the, if it turned up the camp volume, I would be like, fantastic. It's just not enough. So you think, so you think that if it were, that it, it, Nightmare on my, my Street either needs to be completely like nonchalant. Nah, there's Nightmare on My Street, but what are you going to do? No, or, you can't do that with that. You can't be like, ah, there's a Nightmare on My Street. What are you going to do? Yeah, <laughs> there's a Nightmare on My Street. Can we go to your street? No, you can't. We're under quarantine. Ah, fuck. All right. Well, whatever. Because I'd be like, what do you mean there's a nightmare on your street? <laughs> like, that makes no sense, eh? Like, what do you mean there's a nightmare on your street? But if I'm not mistaken, Nightmare on My Street was for um yes it was for nightmare on elm street was for nightmare on elm street so then all of a sudden to be like there's a nightmare on my street doesn't make any sense to be like is oh are you just saying there are movies on your street 
<laughs> well, he just means that. Listen, the like the movie about, is the movie filming on your street, and you don't you want, want to be about there. Fred Krueger, say what you want about him, but he really did localize to just one street. Now, how many serial murderers are that specific? Do you know what I mean? It's like yes, so easy to avoid him. Just don't live on that street. Yeah, like move. Just come on, guys. Like okay. why? It's hard to move out though. Uh, There's a nightmare on Elm Street. I, I don't want to upset you, but I just pulled up the lyrics for Nightmare on Mine Street, and I actually didn't know them. And I, I you know, all right, I, let's I, let's use some spoken word. I do have some concerns. Uh, now I have a story that I'd like to tell, which was yep. a very common rap device yeah. back in the 1900s about this guy. You all know him. 1900s. <laughs> he had me scared as hell. Mm-hmm. He comes up to me at night after I crawl into bed. Oh, I, I really need this next line. He's burnt up like a weenie and his name is Fred. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just a furry. I mean, I, <laughs> I like the knowing. Yep. Still on board my not support. He wears the same hat and sweater every single day. Even if it's Gross. hot outside, he wears it anyway. Classic. I'm awake, but he shows up when I'm asleep. I can't believe that there's a nightmare together. On my street! And there's a lot of lyrics, by the way. It goes on forever. Was this during the rolling of the credits or just kind of to go along with it? I don't think it was. It must have been the credits. It must have been rolling with the credits because I can't imagine it any other. I can't imagine any other part. You got to check out the video also because it's pretty great. Do you, uh, oh, do you want to pull it up? Do you want to do a watch along? Sure. Let's see, let's see if, uh, God damn, this song is six minutes long. No, I'm telling you, that's why it's also bat- drives you bat- batshit crazy. My son, we, they wanted, they got into it one Halloween and wanted to listen to it nonstop. And then that's when I was like, oh. Okay, brother. now wait a minute. Okay, the, the, the plot just got thicker, okay? So I just pulled up, I guess my brain, I, I guess I've had a complete brain fart. As a horror fan, I'm ashamed of myself. So I pull up DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince's A Nightmare on My Street. <laughs> it opens with a disclaimer. Nightmare on My Street, this, is, this looks like it's part of the original video. Nightmare on My Street is not a part of and has not been embodied <gasps> in the soundtrack of any Nightmare on Elm Street motion picture. Neither has this song nor this video is authorized, licensed, or affiliated with Nightmare on Elm Street Films, New Line Cinema Corp, The Elm Street Venture, or the fourth New Line Hair and Venture. So it is not, apparently, this is other, some other burnt up weenie named Fred is terrorizing people on Will Smith Street. With I the think, same sweater and jeans or whatever. Total coincidence. So, uh. Wait a minute. So they just, he just kind of made this song with a guy named Fred on his street. Oh, that's kind of interesting, maybe. You know what my guess is? When in yeah. doubt, I always blame lawyers. Not to not to offend anyone who's a lawyer, but usually when things don't make any sense in this business, I think like, oh, the business affairs person like got in the way of this. I yeah, guess- maybe Will Smith was like, you know what? Elm Street is not going to be the only street that has a freaking murderer, serial murderer what named about Fred. Pine or Oak? There are plenty of other Yes. Teams. But I bet you, I, boy, I'd really love to get the story on this. I'll bet... They wrote the song for the movie. It might have been rejected. Something happened. They couldn't reach a deal, and they just released it anyway. A nightmare on my street. But he really stresses the my. So it might have actually been originally a nightmare on Elm Street, 
And then they were like, well, fuck, we can't, something happened, we can't release it. So they just made one tweak. I don't know if you remember Neil Diamond released a song around the time E.T. came out called Turn On Your Heartlight. Yeah. So obviously about E.T. Turn on your heartlight. Yes. And wherever you go. I didn't know that was about E.T. I feel like it might have been, and then ultimately they didn't, it didn't get released with the film or something. So he's like, fuck it, I'm gonna put it out anyway. This, uh, yeah. So, so, I, no trace of Freddy Krueger anywhere. Let's see. Is anyone wearing a striped sweater? The doctor was wearing a striped sweater, but different colored. That's the Nightmare on Elm Street riff. That's a sample yeah. from Nightmare on Elm Street. On Elm Street. Tell. He's burnt up like a weenie and his name is Fred. So walking through a haunted house now. There were Elm Street trees outside. <laughs> now he's in a nightmare. Okay. I'm just trying to find out if... Okay. All right. There was a fucking dude outside Will Smith's bedroom window in his nightmare, d- dressed differently, but he had a fucking claw glove. Claw on. glove he had a on. Of knives, like, scraping down the window. So it's clear. And clear. I don't know if we'll sit through this whole thing or make you sit through this whole thing. It's clear, although I'm not going to lie, it did bring up some nostalgia um, warmth in, in me. I uh, know. But it, it so clearly was for the movie that they just had to reskin it because, God damn it, now I need to know, Catherine Hahn. I need to know. Yeah, they must have changed Elm to Mai because he really stresses the Mai. Okay, so I'm. Nightmare I'm to, on my street! Uh, okay, so I'm looking up the Wikipedia. Boy, this is going down. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Thank you, Wikipedia. I yes. assume this is correct information, although, you know. Nightmare on, Elm, my, Nightmare on My Street is a single from, third single from DJ Jazzy Jeff, the Fresh Prince studio album. He's the DJ. I'm the rapper. Very, very awesome album. The song yes. became a crossover hit in the U.S., reaching 15 on the Hot 100. Released as a single in early 1988. Uh, blah blah blah. The song was considered for inclusion in the movie A Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master, but the producers of the film decided against its inclusion. New Line Cinema copyright holders, blah blah blah, sued DJ Zedges and Reference record label for copyright infringement, forcing the label to destroy a music video produced for the song, though a copy of the video did survive and is available online. Both sides eventually settled out of court, but as a result, vinyl pressings of the album, he's DJ, I'm the rapper, contained a disclaimer sticker that says, the song's not part of the soundtrack. Uh, uh, the song does sample the musical motif, Charles Bernstein's musical motif of Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, so, you know, it is, it is, it's all there. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad we were able to get to the, to the bottom of it. Oh my God! I, that's you know, crazy. That is that is really crazy, and that those are just that's just those just lawyers, BA business affairs at work right there. They just the producers chose not to include it included in Dream Master, so I don't feel so bad for not remembering it in the in the in the. No, yeah, no, you shouldn't. 
but it just was so clearly a part of it, but not. Nightmare on my street! But I love that the video still exists and that you can see it online and it's so clearly connected to that film and that it was the fourth film in the series. It was fourth film. It was, it was Dream Master. Yeah. Yeah. Nightmare 3 was my favorite, which was the Dream Warriors because that's where they all get dream powers and they fight back. Are you a horror movie film person? Yes, I'm an enormous horror movie, but I don't, but I'm not like, I haven't seen, I don't, I don't like them when I like the, like, I don't see them when they go on and on and on and on and on. I like to see the first. It is, it is funny that what yeah, ends up series. happening. Yeah, what ends up happening in a lot of these, although it did not happen in Friday the 13th or Halloween, but at least in the ones where the, where the, where the creatures could talk. Yes. Where you have Chucky and Freddy basically becoming these like cat skill comedians. Right. Where they ultimately give me like a take my wife, please, you know. And I always, like the idea that they become these like comic characters is really funny to me. Like that's yeah. Why did that happen? That happened with a lot of those movies. Because I think the the crossover between with the audiences of like morbid humor and like the people that the people that would come back for a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four, I think those were just people who were kind of like that was sort of the dialogue with the audience of like we know the subtle things you're picking the or not so subtle things you're picking up with on these characters so we're going to kind of make fun of them too and that's part of our dialogue with the audience we saw a child's play oh where was it or which one was it it was it happened to be on late night and it was in a, it took place it was a later one much later and it took place in like a police academy I'm, my hope is that it's Police Academy Child's Play, the ultimate crossover that fans <laughs> really wanted. With Gutenberg. With Steve Gutenberg and Michael Winslow and Bubba Smith. And it was pretty amazing, but you're right. He was like a, he was like a comedian, but boy, was it not awesome. <laughs> but it was, it was really, we watched to the bitter end because it was fun. We watch everything. I'm curious to get your take on, because there's a new, there's this kind of like recent genre of horror that's like arty horror, where it's very, it's very like art house horror. There's a lot of wide shots. There's a lot of, like the cinematography is beautiful. I'm down. Do you mean like, like, yeah. Like which ones are you talking about? Well, I mean like the, um, uh, like uh, Midsummer or. Midsommar, yes. I love it, love it, love it, love it. Any, Any of these ones where they, you know, like it, the, the story is really just takes its time and the, there's an eerie feeling for like two thirds of it. And then it all just kind of hereditary was like that, too, where it all it all just like really fast spins out of control in the end. And you're like, oh, that's what all this shit's about. You know? Yes. I mean, I. After growing up in that world like first one for me was exorcist growing up catholic that was like the most terrifying thing i'd ever seen i saw it at a sleepover party with a bunch of girls when i was like 12 night horrible um really imprinted on me that was terrifying and then i i think so going through and then all the movies in between like the chopping mall yes slasher movies which are just like oh brother but then to you know, and then the class, you know, I loved, I love, I love horror movies. I love watching them like this. I love, but I was holding my hand over my face. I always watch it through a water bottle. Um, I love, I mean, I loved one of my favorite films, not horror of any genre 
is um, Baba Duke. Yeah, well, Baba Duke. Duke. Great. I mean, her performance was so extraordinary. I thought that filmmaker. I, I loved everything about that film. I loved it so much. Um, and that leading into uh, Hereditary, her performance in that movie. I love Ari Aster's movies. I mean, I also love The Witch. And I loved Lighthouse. I love those. I don't know if you'd call that horror, but I, I love those films. Yeah, The Lighthouse was more like uh, character study, psychological. Yes. I mean, not even really a thriller. I don't know how you categorize. No, you did. I don't even know how you categorize. I was so trippy, but I really freaking enjoyed it. I mean, Willem Dafoe is just a master class. I mean, watching them together, like watching Willem Dafoe's uh, farts, I think. Yeah. I. Feel like oh, watching his farts. I might have. I can't remember if I left that in the Willem Dafoe podcast because I didn't know if it gave anything away. If I'm not, but I basically like watched that with a theater full of like esteemed critics, and of course, every time he farted, everyone laughed. Like I fought. It's like the that, best. It's the best. Yeah, it was the best. I love. Um, but do you guys? Are you Shutter? Are you on Shutter at all? No. What is Shutter? Shutter is basically a subscription horror. Oh, and it's really well curated um and they they so they have like really well curated and organized specific horror movies so like if you like you know korean horror where a little girl crawls out of the earth with long hair in her face like there's a subgenre of it you know but they have what's fun about shutter is that there's like five just channels that replay all the time. So there's like a slasher channel and a psychological thriller channel and a comedy horror channel. And you can just drop in at any time and just start watching stuff. Oh, so Chris, that's thing. such a good call. I'm yeah, going to do that. S-H-U-D-D-E-R, Shutter. And, you know, I don't know what it costs, five bucks a month or something or eight bucks a month or whatever. But, you know, if you guys are horror fans, it's just a Yes. And you find yourself in the same... Because I don't think Apple iTunes does not categorize horror very well sometimes. Like, some things are in there. I'm like, well, that's not a horror. That's more a thriller or, or sci-fi or, you know. So, but they, if you're a real horror fan, it's just, a, it's a great, I don't know. I, we really like it. Okay, good. All right, good. I'm going to do that because that's how, that is fantastic. We just, we just subscribed to, um, uh, yeah, because we're like all over the place now just trying to find, you know, we just subscribed to the Criterion Collection too, which was really fun. I don't know if you've subscribed to that, but you can see some crazy old, amazing movies and really good old horror movies too, which are probably on Shudder, but like, I mean, that's not why we got it, but but there are some really great ones like Leviathan. Like there's some really interesting, cool like very interesting nerds. movies for like film nerds yeah like, yeah 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 the same type of people that used to collect the laser disc criterion yes clip. yeah 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 but there's it's just really interesting and they do like double features and stuff like oh that's fantastic yeah. and it's an app or it's like a service that you can subscribe to yeah yeah same thing like eight bucks a month or whatever but it's, it's really cool. interesting to see like what sur- survives like all of the streaming wars. Cause I feel like it's going to have to start chunking together in some way. Cause I don't think most people are can afford it or I know not only not afford it, but just don't want to spend the energy of like that. That was the one thing that was great about cable. It's like, well, you know, whatever you pay this much money and you get all, and you know what you're getting Yeah. as opposed to like, I don't really, I don't necessarily want to piecemeal because you're having to like, well, some stuff we can only watch on Apple TV, but other stuff is on Roku and other stuff is on, 
you know, the fire stick and other stuff is on. Uh, I don't even understand it. No, I know. On all the passwords, like my dad, he was in Ohio. Sorry, I took a bite of my RX bar. Full circle! You got a little bit of RX bar on your upper lip there. There you go. <laughs> I'm your friend, so I told you. Thank you! <laughs> you would have just gotten up and looked in the mirror and be like, God damn it, how long was that there? Was that there the whole time? It just looked like I'm missing like one front tooth. Just like a brown, just gross brown shell. <laughs> my peanut casing. Oh, God. Uh, anyway i put a bra on for the first time in three and a half weeks today so you're welcome <laughs> anyway um but my dad has, has three channels still like th- it, i mean you know just because he doesn't that's his thing like you know he's whatever he's 82 he doesn't care but he's like he's got his three is seven and his nine or whatever back in cleveland and he doesn't and have any it. you know yeah. that that that's it and i feel like at some point everything's going to have to simplify in some ways. Everything as much as everything's branching out. Everything's going to simplify in some way. Um, But you're, but this much is true is it, let me just make sure that I don't fuck up which streaming services on. It is Apple TV. No. HBO. Central Park is Apple TV. Central Park is Apple TV. And this much is true is HBO. It's called, yeah, I know this much is true. And it's, it's, it's an adaptation of the Wally Lamb novel. So um, not an adaptation of the um, of the famous song by Spandau Ballet. No, but I, no, yeah, no, not as yes. It's called yeah. It's I know this was just true. It's starring Mark Ruffalo, who is so, you know, I mean he's magnificent and he's extraordinary and he's playing twins. Yes, in this. he's playing himself and his schizophrenic brother, or his schiz- or he's playing himself. And his well brother, depending on how you look at it. And Isn't Imogen Poots in that as well? And Imogen Poots is in it as well. We're recording with her next week. Oh, she's a goddess. You're going to have to give her my love. I love her so much. If, if you like weird, fun movies, Vivarium is great. Yes. Oh, I got to see that. He's great. Okay, in it. Yeah. Eisenberg's great. And it's fucking so weird and great. Oh, I got to see that. Okay. It's available now. We got it yes. on demand. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's a gem. It's a really, uh, it's a really great cast, and Derek C. in France directed it. Who's uh, directed Blue Valentine, and yeah, he's amazing. So yeah, that's going to be uh, coming out in mid May um, on HBO. Couldn't be more proud. I mean, HBO was so far ahead of the game. On, I mean, HBO really was a streamer technically yeah. since the seventies when they started. It's like you know, know, pay for pay for commercial free content, you know, with no rating restrictions or whatever. And so they were so smart and jumped on the game, God, like 10 years ago. Was that, uh, uh, was that since the 70s, HBO? I guess I didn't realize that. HBO, I think was, um, I could get the exact date, but I think it was 75 because I feel like my parents had it because I remember watching, it used to be called Home Box Office. Uh, 1975. Oh God, God that's oh. crazy. Yeah, 1975. Um, it and then Cinemax started in 1980. Uh, because I remember watching my first horror movie, um, Phantasm, in like oh my God. something on HBO, and that that was the one that scared the fucking shit out of me when I was a kid. But oh. they're so far ahead of the curve, and I feel like their streaming service is gonna offer a lot for people. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, I know. I know. I, yeah. And I love this idea. Like we were saying before of the uh, limited series is kind of an amazing option too. Um, so this is six episodes. Just I mean, particular it's funny, we call them a limited series in England. They just call them series. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Everything's a limited series there except for Doctor Who. So. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I know. Well, there is something. I, you're right. As an actor, it's like a, as an everything, like there is, I, I kind of dig um, the, you know, the just the idea that you can wrap your arms around it. It feels like you're doing a long movie. Um, and, uh, you know, it just feels like one long movie. That's what it felt like making it. And, yeah, um, I, for whatever reason, Faulty Towers just came out on iTunes, and so I bought it. And Lydia goes, "Oh my god, I love Faulty Towers! I used to watch it with my dad when I was a kid." And uh, I go, "Okay," and she goes, "Oh, it's not only nine ninety nine for the whole series." And I go, "Yeah, it was just twelve episodes." And she goes, "Why was it twelve episodes?" I go, "Cause fucking England, cause they only just." <laughs> That's it. Was it only 12 episodes? Yeah, because it's not like commercial television in the same way. It's like government run. They don't, there's no real benefit to them trying to capitalize on running something into the ground. There's, you don't sign seven year contracts if you were to do, you know, a pilot for a, a British series. It's just like, it's just it. It's the series. It's 12, 12 oh, and done. God, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say something sacrilegious about Faulty Towers before I go. Sure. I'm not sure I've ever really dug it. Is it a nightmare on your street? Or is it just a simply having a wonderful Christmas time? It's, sim- sim- it's simply like, it's a mouse. It's a monster smash. <laughs> it's a faulty smash. It's a faulty smash. It's a faulty smash. Maybe I have to get into it again. But whenever I saw it, I was always like, I don't know. It just doesn't hit me. It feels like exhausting. But maybe I, I should see it again. I mean, I'm just, I'm just such, I was just such a Python fan and such a Cleese fan, and you know, yeah, it was when I was younger. There just wasn't anything else like it that we got in the states, you know. I know. So yeah, I, I was just such a huge fan of it. Everybody was, and I'm always, I was always like, what am I not getting? But maybe well, I should just watch is, it again. I feel like it was so ahead of its time because Basil. It's a time. Oh, I should go in a second. Oh, you gotta go. Okay, Basil Fawlty was a despicable protagonist before that was really a common thing, certainly in America before that was a... Well, although I guess, you know, Archie Bunker was that too. But it... uh, Maybe give it another shot. Yeah, I should. And then get back to me. I should. Maybe it was because it was all dudes. But maybe I should just say it again. Give it a... Yeah, which I also... Yeah, I totally understand. It was a different time. It was a different time. It was the 70s. But people loved it. People still love it. My hubby loves it. But listen, as we're wrapping this up, do you just have a piece of advice for people as someone who did finally get a case of the fuckets? And I know in your case, you said it's when you had kids. What's a little piece of advice, a little hope, a little sunshine you can throw at people to sort of give them that, give them a, a path to kind of finding that for themselves? Oh, I mean, I would say that we are our own worst enemy in terms of um, getting in our way. Mm-hmm. It, um, I feel like getting in our own heads is just like, is the, the most, was the thing that I, I think got, 
I think I got in my head so much when I was in my twenties and I think it like stopped me when you walk, especially if you're, if, if I'm talking to just like performers, um, walking into those rooms, if I just like, I don't know if I should I talk to performers or whoever. I it's think important to talk about now where people are kind of forced to be in their own heads a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In this weird time. Yeah. I feel like I just, I would just say, whatever we could do to just like get outside of your bodies. I, for me, I just felt like dancing was, is huge. Um, any kind of like, it's just, I don't know guys. Uh, whatever we could do to try to like do something for somebody else. Like we, I think what the trick right now is to be like just trapped in our egos because it's just like, a, it, I, I, it's, this is, I'm feeling so up and down mood wise and also filled with such crazy gratitude. Like I was saying at the beginning of this and just like helpless to just like, thank all the people that are really the angels and on the front line of all this. And I, I just, I can't begin to imagine what those people are facing on a daily basis. And so I guess with all the brain, like in terms of like getting out of our heads, like I guess to use all of our like itchy fingers to look at news or to like check people's Instagrams or yada, yada, yada. I have no social, so I- I'm such a grandma. But like to look and really see, like Chris was talking about, like what kind of charities we can like just give to, what we can do to help. Like we can we make masks to like don't like whatever we can do with our that little extra energy even a little bit a day i'm I, I, i'm no fucking mother teresa but i just feel like that kind of energy is is would feel good especially something while we're all in our in our hunkered down in our bunkers um i think would be would feel good I love that. So it's basically just get outside your own head, either exercise, do something physical to just stop being so in it or, you know, like focusing too much mentally and stuff. And then also focusing on other people to get outside your own head. Do this perfect advice. It's perfect. It's just perfect. And, oh, go ahead. No, that's it. I adore you. Just say prayers. I adore you, by the way. Oh, God. You met briefly. Yes. And, um, at, at something and, uh, and she just texted me because she knew that I was on with you. And she, my, she, this is her text. I've been a fan of everything she's done since I saw her in one of her first films, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. She <laughs> made, her performance was the best. She's the only reason I've rewatched that movie and was so brilliant in that. And everything she's done is amazing since. Second text, she's done so much, all caps, since then. And it's all great because of that performance in that first, maybe second film she ever did. I watch movies just because she's in them because her performances are so good. Lydia, so, that's sweetheart. Please give her my, my love. I will. Oh, you God are loved. damn it. That is so sweet. God damn it. You are loved, even though uh, you don't think we are simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Uh, and, um, trigger. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I hope to see you again at some point. Oh, me too. It's so good to see you. Good to see you too, Catherine okay, Hahn. Stay safe, soon. stay healthy, and yeah, uh, I will talk to you soon. Okay, this was my pleasure. Mwah, 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 Thank mwah. you for coming digitally to yes. Main Street. Oh, God damn it. Goodbye. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> Getting out of here. All right, no, goodbye. I, I adore so you. Blah. Goodbye, goodbye. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito.